Hi, this is Andrew. Just want to say a few words before we get uh, started with the episode. One, if you haven't checked out the website for this podcast yet, you can do it now at exit.ytg.jp. That's exit.ytg.jp. Why would you want to? Well, because there are posts there about previous episodes, about this current episode, uh, also possibly other events that might or might not be coming up. Well, ones that might be coming up. There's no sense posting things about. Anyway, uh, also, I'd like to say that from episode three on, we should be on iTunes and Stitcher, if that's where you subscribe to your podcast. Why don't you head over there and maybe, you know, if you like the show, maybe give us a five-star review. That would be really, really helpful. Finally, I'd like to thank the wonderful Emmy Doe for the story she tells in this episode. You'll hear close to the beginning of the episode, you'll hear a little clip of a story she told at a live event, live event called Apocrypha, that is what we're actually talking about in this episode. The important thing to know about that story, apart from the fact that it was told by Emmy Doe, who was wonderful, is that she is on a bicycle. All right, and I think that's that. So with no further ado, let's get this show on the road. This uh, this one time, uh, a long time ago, uh, I was at the garbage compactor, and uh, and and I got um, tired <laughs> by uh, potato. <laughs> That's uh, it was really, really, really. Um, this, this is a story that means a lot to me, and uh, I want you all to I want you all to understand that the potato, the potato that tired me, was. Was maybe one of the most one of the most moving experiences of my entire life. I that potato changed my life. A potato life a changer. I'm John Matthews, by the way, and that was the worst story ever that would never appear on an event that we're about to talk about. It is episode three of Exit Pursued by Kaiju, uh, a new podcast. I guess we're still new at this point. We're still new. Episode three is still pretty new. Yeah, biweekly. So yeah, sure. Uh, about international theater in uh, East Japan, Tokyo and Yokohama. I realized last episode we didn't talk about Yokohama very much, and we said Tokyo a lot, a lot, a lot. I deeply apologize to your sensibilities. Uh, the person uh, talking to me is Potato Andrew Wolner. Oh no, my name, right? Uh, yes, Andrew Potato Wolner. The Artistic director. That's right. Yes, I'm getting it right this time. Of Yokohama Theater Group. Uh, I am again John Matthews, the other person who does stuff with Yokohama Theater Group. The potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, this episode, we're not talking about theater so much. We're talking about uh, events. We're talking about cool stuff that happens in Tokyo. We live nearish to Tokyo. We do. And when there's not enough stuff happening in Yokohama, which, okay, let's be honest with ourselves. That never happens. That never happens. Let's be honest you with ourselves. You live us- near the zoo, man. Let's be honest with ourselves. You've got a giraffe near your house. I also got a really sad lion, by the way. That is um, a very sad lion, yeah. Anyway, when there's not enough stuff happening in Yokohama sometimes, and I do not have that problem usually because I live in the best part of town ever, um, sometimes we go into Tokyo. And in Tokyo, there are events like this thing called Apocrypha. And it's spelled like it sounds. Just kidding, you can't spell it, neither can I. Uh, where people tell stories. People tell true stories about what they do, have done, what they've experienced, crazy stuff. Um, maybe not necessarily crazy, but sometimes very powerful, very poignant. 
stories about things that might have put people in danger uh, from the law or the patriarchy. Uh, Sometimes which, they just tell stories about how they pooped in a urinal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Because variety is the spice of storytelling events, evidently, and everything else. Because life encompasses all those things. Um, we're actually going to play a clip for you of one of those stories that was told at uh, a recent Apocrypha event. Uh, and I'm going to push a little button now. Beep, boop. Boop. And um, so I was in this state of misery and woefulness on this beautiful day in this beautiful place when I hear this growl. And it's this really low, resonant growl, the kind of growl that like automatically your heart's like beating when you don't really know why my hands were started to sweat. And my cadence just automatically quickened. And when I finally steeled my nerves to look over to where this growl came from, I saw what maybe some people would call a dog, but I called teeth and muscles uh, because that's all I saw was 130,000 pounds of muscles going crazy. Like it was barking and lunging and going crazy, but it was tied to a very, very sturdy looking tree with a very, very sturdy looking chain. And I calmed myself down, nicknamed it Fluffy to make myself feel better. And I kind of refocused my attention on the road and was like, it's going to be okay. And I was just starting to get ready to feel sorry for myself again. When out of the corner of my eye, I noticed Fluffy making one last lunge, and though the chain held and the tree was fine, the collar holding chain to dog to tree popped, and now Fluffy was full on barreling towards me, and panic starts happening. Um, did I mention I was going uphill? Uh, <laughs> So we have the person behind Apocrypha and behind the event that produces stories such as the one you just heard. Uh, say hello, Rachel. Hi. Hey, Rachel Roberts. What are you? What are you doing? What do you? What's? What's? Why are you here? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing multiple things, but um, the one that is probably of most interest to people listening to this is Apocrypha, which is a true storytelling event in Tokyo that. Um, it focuses on people who are um, telling true stories from their own lives, um, similar to podcasts like The Moth and Risk. And their short stories maybe like um, 10 to 15 minutes. And um, it's uh, just anything. It's raw, true stories from people's lives. Cool. Cool. Right. And just in case people are like worried this is going to be like, a disaster. You've done more than one of these before, right? Mm, we've done one in December and one this past March. And uh, the reason I started doing this was because of um, a podcast called Risk, um, whose creator is Kevin Allison. Um, I highly recommend checking it out because it's got a lot of really interesting, um, intense stories. It's basically based on like stories that people never thought they would tell anyone about. And so... Um, there may be more R-rated, there may be more intense, and uh, so he was my inspiration for wanting to do this, and then I talked with Andrew about wanting to bring this to Tokyo, and we thought of like ideas of how to do it, where to take it, and um, 
then we started doing it and we've had about 17 storytellers, I think our first time, maybe 12 the second time, uh, managed to fit about like 70 people in Bar Gari Gari in Kenaway, which is really packed. Somewhat, um, somewhat miracle level <laughs> yeah. packing. Yeah. So. So Apocrypha, actually you do a lot of different events, right? Mm. You do a lot of different events in Tokyo. Mm. Like the last, like all of a sudden I turned around, looked on Facebook and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, hey, Richard Roberts is hosting a thousand events. Mm. Facebook didn't put it that way. It just showed me this event, that event, this event, that event, this event. Mm. What's going on? Like what, what else do you do in terms of event stuff? And why in the hell are you doing so much? Like how are you <laughs> able to find the time? Uh, because I have a job that doesn't really ask very much of me. And so I spend most of my day just like working on creating fun events that I think are fun and hope that people want to come to. Um, so I guess the first one that I did in Tokyo was the silent disco a few years ago uh, in Yoyogi Park. And we tried to get some like streaming music so that people could all listen to the music at the same time. And they're listening on their headphones and dancing, but it looked silent from any observer's point of view. Um, we did that and that was really fun, but also like not so technologically, uh, well done. Um, then, and I wanted to do that because like Tokyo has like all these places you can go out at night, but they're so expensive. You have to pay 3,000, 4,000 yen to go dancing. People don't have house parties that much cause they have very small places. And I was getting, getting kind of frustrated with that. So my friend and I decided, let's do a silent disco. And then from there, it kind of like snowballed with like wanting to do this apocrypha storytelling thing. And then also Journey to the End of the Night, um, which is... Which is an extremely epic name, <laughs> admittedly. Yeah, yeah. So Journey to the End of the Night is something that's happened in many cities across the world. Um, started in San Francisco. And um, basically, it's a urban chase game across the city, and you're being chased. If you get caught by a chaser, you become a chaser yourself. So the game kind of like um, perpetuates itself, and you at six checkpoints, you have to do some sort of checkpoint activity, which can be anything from like going to take a selfie with a stranger in a romantic location, or um, finger painting with. Uh, metallic poisonous pe- no I'm, I'm kidding um, please <laughs> well throwing ho- holly powder for example on each other so like at a la- our last one we had like um, this like team spirit challenge and you had to because it was a salary man themed game this time um, that we're doing it we're doing a heroes and villains themed game so that's um, May 21st we're gonna have another journey to the end of the night um, we've also done urban capture the flag um, which is another one of our street game things nice Journey to the end of the night. You've got to be careful because these are like theater people listening. So they might think, oh, isn't that a play by Eugene O'Neill? <laughs> it's true. I keep looking it up and I'm is like, it actually, is that the actual name? Yeah, Long Day's Journey actually... into Night. It's like a six hour play by Eugene O'Neill. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. The, the <laughs> Wikipedia totally... disambiguation. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. I remember seeing that. I was in Amsterdam and there was like some kind of arts festival on. We just, I was just there just as the last day was wrapping up and there was a silent disco. And the lineup was way too long. I could not get into it. And it just looked like so, I, I don't even like dancing, but it looked like so much fun. Um, and the other thing, the other thing with the silent sort of flash mob thing, I mean, it was cool to do it, but it was kind of just like, it was a bit like, it was a bit like listening to some kind of like um, hippie motivational tape <laughs> a little bit. It was like, and then touch the glass with your hand and find 
the nearest person to you, find someone who's looking at and give them a hug. And that kind of like, <laughs> it was a little, a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit granola yeah, for my taste. Yeah. I think a silent disco would be a lot more fun. Hmm. Leonard Cohen silent disco would be the funnest. I think. <laughs> Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits, silent disco. My God. And sad old man dancing in a corner of Yogi Park. That sounds like neither of them. <laughs> I was going for Tom Waits, but I really can't figure that out. Uh, Tom Waits. Tom Waits. I can't go. The piano has been drinking. That's, a, that's more. My piano has been drinking. That's a song. The piano has been drinking. Okay, it's Tom a, Waits. It's an actual song. Tom Waits, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, started with Silent Disco. Mm. Uh, Journey, Journey to the End of the Night happened at some point and is still happening now. When did you say that was happening? May 21st. 21st. Friday, Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. 7.30 p.m., but you have to get there around like 7 to register. Is this um, like a Yogi Park thing too? And, no. and for listeners who don't actually live in Japan, mm-hmm. of which there are none of you currently, um, Yogi <laughs> Park mother, is the biggest park. My mother park in... doesn't live in Japan and she, I think she listens. Well, thank you, your mother. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> Yogi Park is is the biggest park in Tokyo. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think Inokashi is close, but it's not not quite Yogi Park size. I think it is. It's a really big place. It's always crowded when uh, cherry blossom season comes out. Is Journey to the End of the Night also there, no. or is it so, is it through the streets or through the streets? And so the first time we had it, we started at Shiba Koen, um, and it went all throughout, kind of like. Um, Arisugawa Park, Roppongi Hills, Roppongi Midtown, um, Omote Sando, back to Rupung- or to Yogi Park. And that was like 11K or something. So lots of pretty good visuals. You're not running through Nihonbashi in like the bank district. Mm, no, yeah, no. We tried to make it as kind of like interesting route and good locations. Um, we this run by time, the embassies. Please be careful. <laughs> yeah, we did run by the embassies. We we're like, hmm, hopefully nobody sees us. And run like, by the Australian embassy. They're really cool. New Zealand embassy. They're really cool. American embassy. Well, we've lost a few. <laughs> yeah, we were careful about that. Um, this time, though, we're starting at Kiyosumi Park. Um, a little more uh, eastern way Tokyo. out the way to line, like yeah. out, yeah, out Shirakawa, like that area. Yeah. Huh. yeah, I just wanted to jump in. So, wh- where, where, if people want to know about this, where can they go to find out about mm. it? So, there's a Facebook page. Um, you can search Tokyo Journey or type in www.facebook.com/slash Tokyo Journey. Uh, there's also a Tokyo Street Gamers uh, um, meetup group. And that has all of our like street game stuff, including the um, the what's it called, Cap- Urban Capture the Flag. So, yeah, that that's where you can find out. Cool, right? So I just jumping back to Apocrypha. I just you're talking about mm. their their sort of true true life stories. Mm. So why is it important that the stories are true? Mm. So for me, um, what I like about true storytelling is um in a way it's sort of therapeutic it's um people are telling something that uh maybe they don't get a chance to talk about in their lives or maybe um they didn't feel very open about telling people um so they're they're feeling like heard by telling this story and um they're also getting up the courage to talk about it and then at the same time the people listening, maybe they can relate to it and maybe they get that. Maybe that sparks a conversation and somebody who felt like they were all alone in a certain experience, they feel like they can connect with someone. Um, so I think like that's part of what I really like about it. Um, part of it is I just really love hearing stories from people's lives and um, that's really interesting to me. Right. So uh, 
All right, just in case people are worried that I'm asking too many softball questions here, uh, I'm just going to ask you, where were you on the morning of November 22nd, 1963? Or for that matter, where were you July 14th, 1789, Rachel? The public needs to know. Uh, um, I was in the stratosphere somewhere as dust. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Is this a crime scene investigation? It's about to be. It was. It was. <laughs> That's all I had. I had no follow-up questions to that. I just didn't want anyone to think I was just softballing yeah, this whole man, interview. Those are too easy. Um, let me, do the good let cop, me, cop let me actually bit. tell you, like the first time I went to the first time I went to Apocrypha, mm. uh, it was actually incredibly emotionally affecting to me. Mm. Um, I went in, it was a lot of stories about near death, hope streams shattered, hope streams barely fulfilled kind of thing, always kind of tensions and worries and everything else. Um uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was powerful. It was powerful, but in a sort of scary way. Uh, well, what would you, what would you want someone to take away if they weren't a storyteller, if they were an audience member? Mm, hopefully also a, the kind of the idea that their stories are worth telling too, and that they have stories that are interesting and that, um, that they could come up on stage and tell. And, um, yeah, I think that's something I, I, I like to, I hope that people can get from it. And, um, that's part of also why I do like, um, we've started doing this outdoor storytelling workshop thing. Um, so in Yoyogi Park last weekend, we had, um, this small workshop where we just kind of did some simple storytelling games. Um, and talked about what kinds of stories people like, why they like the stories that they like, what's memorable about the stories that they like, um, and just like brainstormed about things like that. And so that kind of is, I'm trying to get people to think more about me whether they're interested in telling their own stories and how would they would do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, quick question, which you don't have to answer if you're not able to, but, uh, you're, you're packing the house. Have you thought about taking it bigger? Like Pachakusha is, is bursting its seams. You're bursting your seams. They're somewhat smaller, but Pachakusha is as a much, you know, it's a much different game altogether. Like, are you considering moving it into a bigger, a bigger um, scale? Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Um, I kind of think we'll gauge it based on how like attendance goes for the next one. And because um, last time I like messaged everyone on Meetup that had signed up and was like, hey, thanks for signing up for Apocrypha and you should come to this event and I hope to see you there. And I think like maybe that helped get people to come um, and I talked about it to everybody. But um, who knows if that would be sustained. I think if it is sustained, I'd be open to finding more like larger venues. Pachakaja is a good place, but like um, it always depends on like cost of the venue too because I don't want to charge too much for um, Apocrypha and I want it to be large enough and a good atmosphere and stuff so right uh talking about the next show by the way the next show is on may 13th may 13th. friday the 13th friday the 13th naturally being a horror thing it's about fear yes I recall correctly, the, the optional theme, theme is fear so storytellers yes. story can use that theme or they can like loosely use it or decide it i don't want to use it to ignore it entirely mm. Well, it, previously it's been sort of a kind of open mic thing you're changing the format a little bit this time right uh, so previously we had a, a couple slots at the end of the night that were open to people, um, coming up and telling a story. This time we're going to have only set storytellers. Um, and previously we had five to 10 minute stories. 
This time I'm kind of lengthening it to 10 to 15 minutes, seeing how that goes, because some of the stories went over. And it's also interesting to be able to have like longer form stories. And then um, also this time I'm going to be um, interacting more with storytellers before they tell their story so that they can kind of get some feedback a little bit on a story and maybe like um, workshop it sort of if they want feedback. So Right. So it's a bit more curated. This yeah, time. a little more curated. Um, and you, you'd said before you were maybe concentrating on, on new people. So Yeah. So this time, um, because we've had a lot of, um, basically, uh, the first two shows I was like, pulling from all my friends and like who of my friends wants to tell a story um and so and then like as um more people know about it i want to give a chance to people who haven't told a story yet and so i'd like to first um prioritize anyone who hasn't told a story yet we're still looking for storytellers we have um a couple but still have like maybe five slots left uh so yeah, preferencing new storytellers, but we'll also take people who have told stories before. And I assume you'll always hold a slot open for Kevin Allison? Yeah, I would say Kevin Allison has a permanent slot, given that he inspired this. Yeah. yeah. You should uh, mention that he actually showed up last time. He happened to be in Tokyo, and you 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 found out that he was in Tokyo, mm. and you tricked him into coming. No, yeah. you tricked him into coming. This guy with this powerful voice comes around and tells a story about shoes tied to his nether regions. <laughs> balls. That's my I think best, that's what you're looking for. That's my best impression that I'm going to have the entire Oh, I just said balls. Do you have to censor balls? If if y'all are hearing censor sounds, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, I realized earlier, I was like, oh, I swear, swore. Mm. I was going to thank you for the first censor of the evening, and then I thought, nah, they'll figure it out. So, um, yeah, so you've, it, you've made it very clear. You've never, you've never made the claim that uh, the storytelling is going to like create world peace. But if you had, how would you justify that claim? Um, I would say that um, it is going to create world peace because people have, uh, in our society, people don't talk about their problems very much. They, and they can't afford therapists um, or they're ashamed to go to therapists. But if you portray it as I'm just, performing and um this becomes a more acceptable way to talk about your life and to have something come out and have people talk with you casually about something that might be very personal um given this opportunity people who might have otherwise turned to a different outlet something not so positive jerry springer for instance <laughs> exactly um or yeah any other sort of negative outlet uh, they may they may not need that outlet and they may instead um, everyone will be holding hands and skipping in the forest and be hippies like me. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, that. Sorry, hang on. I just detected a, a gigantic schism between giant hippie and sorry, not giant hippie. Um, was it hippie? Something hippie and Tokyo <laughs> and Tokyo. We are mm. in one of the most biggest cities with lots of buildings and concrete jungle, although in fairness, fairly green being a Yokohama person. I'm going to talk some shit about Tokyo. Ah, there's my bleep. Uh, but yeah, how do you find being being a freer person sort of mm. emotionally than, than it being in Tokyo? I mean, you've been here for a little bit now. Mm, yeah, I've been here like three and a half years. I thought before coming here that it would be a like concrete jungle-ish place and like I would just feel so like trapped and... But I haven't felt like that at all. Um, the fact that you can get out to Okutama to this like 
beautiful forest in two hours and go camping, which like I really love doing. And you get to see like streams and moss and it's just perfect. Um, makes it so easy. Like you don't have to drive. You can just read a book on the way. Like that's what's ideal about Tokyo. You can get to the beach. You can get to the mountains. You can get to camping within a couple hours. Or, or you can just live in Yokohama and enjoy your life. <laughs> Sorry. Did you did you say streams and moss? Yes, I love moss. Moss. Sorry. Okay, that was just like, that's so, one of I my. I thought I misheard it. Like, <laughs> did she say moss or moths? Or... No, moss. Yeah, moss burger. I'm kind of addicted to moss a little bit. So, if someone was going to make a film about your life, hmm. who would play me? <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. Also, especially tough because I'm like really bad at knowing actors' names. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! We actually we actually had the same acting teacher. Keanu Reeves. Or one one. I mean, I'm sure he had more than one acting teacher, but we, you, we you, never, had, you we honestly shared, never know with these kind of guys. We shared an acting teacher. Superb. Uh, not at the same time, like maybe five years apart or something like that. Rachel! What? Lightning round! Oh, Here we go. Sondheim or Weber? Weber. Tofu or tempeh? Tofu. Legs or neck? Legs. Rope burn or hickey? What? Chocolate or mauve? Mauve? Real butter or sweaters? Sweaters. Popping shower or Martin LaRue? Martin LaRue, for sure. Stalin or Michael Bay? Stalin. <laughs> wow. Tokyo or a swimming pool? Swimming pool. Sushi or the beautiful patterns that Frost makes on single pane glass windows in the middle of winter and you want to photograph, but it never looks as nice as it does when the afternoon light is shining through it? Oh my God. Definitely the latter. <laughs> Super. Lightning round complete. By the way, if you haven't heard this podcast before until today, what are you doing? Being a reasonable human being, probably. Um, it's only episode three. You can certainly go back, easily listen to episode one and two without wasting too much time. And Big River isn't even on yet, so you can still listen to that, Martin LaRue and, and Francis Summerpersonville. Summerpersonville. You yeah. can also you can also listen, uh, if you've got a good podcast app, you can actually listen at double time, and you can be through it in like about 12 minutes. <laughs> in any case, if you if you haven't heard this yet, go back to exit.ytg.jp and go listen to the rest of this. But before we wrap up, we should, we've talked about Apocrypha. We haven't talked about where you can get information. I mean, we've given all the information here, but uh, in terms of getting the map to the venue, that kind of stuff, we should probably talk about that. And why don't we let Rachel talk about that? Because um, her voice Because is we haven't mind. prepared this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's a Facebook page and a meetup page. Um, the Facebook page, you can search Apocrypha Tokyo, or you can put that in the URL. Um, and... For the meetup page, it's just Apocrypha. So www.meetup.com slash Apocrypha, which is spelled A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-A-J. Nicely done. Um, just uh, if people, you said there's still about, you said five slots open? Yes. There's still five slots open for anyone who is maybe interested in telling a story. How do they get in touch with you to set that up? They can message on Facebook, message the Apocrypha page, or they can message me um as the uh, organizer for the meetup group on uh, meetup. Super. They can also go to ytg.jp. YTG. It's right on the front page right now. There's a, there's a thing there. It's a sign up sheet. I think it has the option if they want to tell a story, if it doesn't, I'll put it on. Uh, so there's, there's three, four, three, four, three, four, three, at least three ways that they can, they can go do that. So that's super. Mm. No fax number, unfortunately for those septuagenarians in our audience. <laughs> if you're not emotionally exhausted after an evening of Apocrypha, 
You can head down the next weekend to the production of Big River being put on by Tokyo International Players. You can find out more information at, I'm putting my radio douchey voice on now. You can find out more information at tokyoplayers.com. Com, yes, com. How many folks are organizing the events that you're, how many folks are helping out with organizing the events you're working on? Mm, so for Apocrypha, it's mostly me and then um, we have you guys helping out with doing the um, editing and doing the filming, which is really important. Um, mm, and then also, helpful. of course, advertising on this. And that's awesome to have more people hearing about it. Shameless and um, promotion. <laughs> and then um, I also have... Um, a couple other people just helping with like um, ideas and stuff, talking through it, but um, no one officially with Apocrypha. And then with um, Journey to the End of the Night in Tokyo Street Gamers, I have about 23 people, 23 friends that are helping out with that. Maybe 25 actually because of overseas people who help out. So, wow. Yeah. So you, 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 do you need to give a particular shout out to anybody? I would not be able to say all their names, <laughs> um, but I'm thinking specifically Eugene O'Neill because I heard he's a big part of this long day's journey into the Revenge of the Night. Uh, yeah, that guy. He's definitely a huge part of all of it. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Eugene O'Neill. Eugene <laughs> O'Neill, what a lovely guy. Oh, also, um, Tokyo.org. If you change the last O of Tokyo to a zero is our other website. Um, so that's like our official website. And then we have the Facebook and meetup page. Let me take a look at that. I'm holding my tongue and not making fun of you. (laughs) It's the only way to get a damn site, though. I'm serious. I'd use a hyphen. Well, it's based on um, SF0 because SF0 is this creative um, activities organization that they created Journey to the End of the Night. And so because of that, I was like, I'm going to change the zero. SF is for San Francisco, so... San Francisco Zero, um, so I'd put I put zero for Tokyo. I suggest that people go visit this site. It is an attractive site. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> that is an attractive cover image thing there, although it's it's all men. Is it? It is all men. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all, In the old current men. image? Hmm. Yes, all, all old men. Is oh, that... are you talking about the salaryman one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's our old event. It was a salaryman-themed uh, dream to the oh. end of the night, and the coming one is Heroes... And villains. I do remember enjoying seeing the art for for the Salaryman themed mm. event. That's beautiful. Cool. Who did this? That's by my friend Mana. Um, she is currently in Australia traveling, but she decided to make our next image too. Oh, that's super. Mm. It's going to be good. Mm. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Okay, so I guess that all that's uh, left to do is to wrap this up by by thanking, thank you, Rachel, for for coming out and talking to us tonight. And uh, so just going over one more time how people can get in touch with you to... Close your yapper, son. Did you hear that? Okay, so, oh, sorry, everybody. This is, this is Lewis. This is, we're, we're doing this, uh, we're doing tonight's show in his apartment. Hey, Lewis. And, well, I mean, uh, seriously, been... did, did you not just hear that? Hmm? What are you talking about? Hmm? Oh, 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 This show was produced by John Matthews and Andrew Warner in association with Yokohama Theatre Group. 
special thanks to me and everyone involved in putting together Apocrypha and all the other events that make Tokyo a more interesting place to live in and where I won't be living anymore, I guess. I can't believe I'm gonna die right now. Okay, sorry. Um, big thanks to Naoto Kasuya for his ongoing work on the show visuals. Thanks also to Timothy Dalton, arguably the coolest if underrated Bond. If you'd like to support YTG, the people behind this podcast, please head over to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash YTG and become a patron. <clears throat> this, uh, this one time uh, I was at a potato. <laughs> That's not how it works, Andrew. It's a place. Uh, okay, it could be at place. <laughs> While we're here, I, I want to give a, a quick thank you to our our guest tonight, Lewis, who um, has provided me with this nectar of the gods, which is Coca Cola Cherry Zero, which looks like it was smuggled in from the the land of the Trump. It's delicious. It's, it's delicious. It's, it's so not as flat good. as you said it was going to be. Not as flat as you said it would be. It's from Atlanta, from Georgia. Georgia he's and it doesn't even taste like onions. No onion taste to it. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. So if we do the kaiju ending. That's that cut. That was that was windy, but it'll play. Um, that was powerful also, stuff, not John. trying to make fun, by the way. I was working with <laughs> potato and trash compactor, you piece of <laughs> You knew potato was coming. Come on. Oh, you disappoint me, Andrew. You disappoint me so much. I, I put so much into your education. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this, Rachel. I hope you are. Cause... I wish we'd really done that at the beginning. I could have thrown potato into the whole episode. Every time there's a pause in conversation, potato. Potato. Po-tay-to. Boil them. Mash them. Stick them in a stew. Might as well face it. You're addicted to spuds. <laughs>